0: This is the Happen to Your Career podcast, episode 149, Volunteerism and the Hidden Job Market. I have been
1: fortunate, Scott, to have a lot of great jobs. So it's not all as glamorous as it might sound, but during all these jobs, their common denominator that's run through them is I've always looked for opportunities that help me um, act on issues I care about or make a difference in the community where I'm living and working or ideally both.
0: Hey, HTYCers! if you've been struggling to figure out work that fits you, then join our eight-day free mini course. All you have to do is text HTYC to 38470. That's HTYC to 38470 or simply visit figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. See you there. This has happened to Your Career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow. Hey, this is Scott Anthony Barlow, and you are listening to Happen to Your Career. Now, this is the show that helps you figure out what work fits you by exploring other stories. And we get to bring on experts like Cliff Ravenscraft, who helps people spread their personal brand message through podcasting or people that have amazing stories just like our personal career coach lisa lewis and who's followed her ideal job by following the breadcrumbs of her career and that led her to a life of career coaching now these are these are people that are just like you who have gone from where they are to what they really want to be doing and they're people that are just like our next guest too mac pritchard now in this episode you're going to get to hear how you can leverage side projects and volunteering to be able to act on your interests and connect with others well, you get to experiment with, well, things that you think you might like and don't get to do in your day job. And then also how you can, how you can use short-term projects to allow you to, sh- to show people what you're capable of and it gives you that opportunity to connect with people in the companies that you're interested in. And you know what? If you decide that uh, that you're not interested in this thing, since it's a short-term project, you've got an easy exit. And... Uh, even how you can initiate an opportunity to volunteer in the first place so all that and plenty more I, I want i want to introduce you to our guest but i've got to tell you a little bit about him first mac Pritchard is hes a public relations specialist. He's, he's the publisher of MaxList, which is Oregon's go-to job site for finding great opportunities in the Portland area, and now much beyond that. He's also the host of the podcast Find Your Dream Job, which I was on not that long ago. He's the owner of Pritchard Communications. Mac does some pretty amazing things over there. He he works to be able to serve non-profit and social good organizations from around the entire country with Pritchard Communications, but it, MaxList started as a side project for him, and you'll get to hear all about that, plenty more. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Mac Pritchard. Hey, I'm so excited to have you back to happen to your career. I have a phenomenal guest for you today. And this is going to be a really, really fun conversation. It's somebody who's who I've gotten to know a little bit over the last about two, three, four, five ish months or so. uh, And I'm really excited to have him on the show. Welcome to happen to your career. Mac, how you doing? Very well, Scott. Thanks for having me on the show. It's an honor. I I am I I meant everything I just said. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to chat about uh, you dive into your story and also we've got we've got a few fun things to that uh, we've planned talking about the hidden job market, really diving into how people can tap into that and then even some strategic ways around around volunteering. So all that, plenty more. But you've uh, you've done a whole bunch of things in your career and I uh, I'm really curious how you tell people or answer even answer the question of what on earth do you do these days.
1: Well, the short answer, Scott, is I run two small businesses. I'm based in Portland, Oregon. One of the firms is Pritchard Communications. It's a public relations uh, company that works with nonprofits, foundations, and purpose-driven brands, and we specialize in social change communications. Uh, We help our clients relaunch websites, build communications programs, uh, manage media and government relations and and teach them these skills as well so they don't have to keep hiring us. Uh, And we serve clients uh, not only in the Pacific Northwest but across the United States. My second uh, company is maxlist.org. And it's an online community for people looking for rewarding creative work. There's a job board there with about 400 listings a month. But uh, as you know, most many jobs are never advertised, so yes. we also provide valuable content uh, through a blog, a podcast, and a book, and, and other services to help people learn the nuts and bolts of job hunting and career management because, again, as you know, Scott, we're, we're not taught how to do those things in high school or college. We learn them largely by trial and error.
0: Yes, I I hope between you and I, we can we can change some of the (laughs) change, some of the things that people know about job search, job hunting careers. And I I would love to long term be able to see that in in high school, colleges, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, okay, so that's what you do now. And that's if that's the short answer Then I'm curious what the long answer is now the uh the thing i'm even more curious about though for you mac is how on earth did that happen how on earth did that happen because you've gone through and uh you've had you've been in a number of areas of of the US you have you know, a couple couple different types of education uh, but I'm curious, where where does this start for you? Where did you get into social change and communications? And, and how did that happen for you?
1: I, I have been fortunate, Scott, to have a lot of great jobs. And I've, I've had my periods of unemployment too, and I'm happy to talk about them and, yeah. and the lessons I've, I've learned uh, from those experiences. So it, it's not all as glamorous as it might sound, but and uh, uh, during all these jobs, their common denominator that's run through them is I've always looked for opportunities that help me, um, act on issues I care about or make a difference in the community where I'm living and working or ideally both. So the, the, the sh- you know, just the thumbnail sketch of my career, I'm, I'm actually in my, um, uh, uh, late fifties and I went to, I grew up in the Midwest, uh, in Eastern Iowa. And when I was in college at the university of Iowa, there were three things that interested me writing, uh, political campaigns and human rights activism and i've been fortunate um in the decades that have followed to be able to work in both in all three of those areas um both on the east coast i lived in washington dc for several years and then in boston for nine and then i've been actually 25 years ago this summer my wife and i moved out to oregon and and this has been our home ever since
0: 25 years ago this summer is that what i heard you say
1: yeah, it was actually uh in July we packed up the car and drove from Massachusetts to Oregon. It was a great trip.
0: Wow. Wow, that that is fantastic. And you and I got to get to meet and uh, have lunch down in down in downtown Portland. And absolutely love that area. It do you plan on staying there then for uh I don't know, shall we say the the rest of time <laughs> or what what are the what are the current plans? Yeah, our, our roots are here now and this is home and
1: we may, uh, as the years go by, yeah. uh, visit other places for, for longer periods, but I think, uh, all roads eventually lead back to the Pacific Northwest in Portland.
0: Why, why is that for you? Why is that, uh, for you in this particular case? Nothing to do with careers, but I'm, I'm curious cause you've been in quite a few other different areas for the U S. So why does, why does this one do it for you?
1: Well, they, our, our friends are here and we're part of the community. And and uh, as I mentioned, um, I did grow up in the Midwest and I lived on the East Coast for 11 years. And when we came out here, uh, my wife and I were in our early 30s and we're still at a stage of life where we could imagine just moving across the country and packing up the car. Uh, but when we got here and, and we liked it very much, um, we realized what we'd left behind in Boston. where mm-hmm. We lived for almost a decade. We would had friendships and Personal and professional relationships, and we were part of a community there. And and as we get older, I think it's harder and harder to to uh, leave that behind. And you also, I think, uh, you value it and appreciate it a lot more than you might when you're in high school or college.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's absolutely true. And I'm curious, then, you know, as as you made the change, where where along the way did max list happened for you how did how did that come about and you know this is this if I understand it correctly that was years after after you guys left Boston and made the move to uh, to oregon but how did how did that actually happen?
1: Well, my career has uh, largely been in, in politics and government uh and fifteen years ago I uh, took a job here in portland and we'd always lived in portland, but I'd commuted to the state capital, Scott, for Seven years. I, I'd been a speechwriter to the governor. Um, I'd been a spokesman for several different state agencies, and I wanted to. I didn't know if I would go back to Salem. It's a um, it's an hour commute each way, and it's. While I, well, I love my work, and the commute was killing me. Um, but I wanted to stay in touch with my colleagues down there, so I started a simple list. And we all get job postings. Uh, everybody gets an email every now and then that says, "Hey, I." looking for uh, uh, somebody to work with me, send good candidates my way. Uh, What I did though was I set up a list with my professional contacts in the Capitol and started forwarding those emails. And as the years went by, I heard from people I didn't know who asked me to send their posts, uh, postings to people on my list. And I heard from people I didn't know who asked to join the list. And it grew very slowly. So it was 15 years ago So we started MaxList, and it took us um, nine years to get to about a 1,000 names. But then we turned it into a newsletter uh, that went out every Tuesday at 2 p.m., and and that still happens. And within months, we were at 4,000 subscribers. And because it was easy to get, you knew what you were getting, um, and uh, it became so much work, and I was doing all this as a service, and to network with others, too. Uh, but it became so much work, uh, we monetized the list. We set up a website six years ago and started charging for job listings and and employers started paying uh, almost immediately. And But the community grew all, all by word of mouth. And today we have about 80,000 people who come to maxlist.org um, every month through our newsletter, our website visitors, and social channels.
0: That's amazing. So I'm curious then, how did how did you what what went through your mind maybe is even a better question as this thing was growing and is starting to take on a lot of extra work and clearly this is not your main business at the time even remotely close it's uh not even necessarily a side business at that point it sounded just like a side project if you will and you know you've got this entirely separate business to run of a communications agency so how why did you keep it going? Well, I've, I've always uh, had
1: side projects. <clears throat> Excuse me. Excuse me, Scott. Yeah. Uh, I've always had side projects. I've always been involved in the community, I serving on boards and um, volunteering for committees. And for years, I ran my neighborhood block party uh, 14 years in a row, actually. Uh, but it to me, the list was just a, another uh, form of service. When it, when I, when I was doing it on my own, um, didn't pay that much attention to the time involved, but when it did get to, um, uh, uh, by the time we had the, uh, the, the weekly newsletter, uh, I was paying somebody about eight hours a week and that's why we had to monetize it. And, uh, I actually, Scott didn't know if employers would pay for the listings and, and, uh, we had people, um, start buying them right away. And when we asked them why employers told us that they were saving time and they were saving money, uh, because they were getting fewer applications from a max list posting, but they were the right applications. Mm. And with the, the big national boards, which are great, uh, you're reaching people in all 50 states. Yep. And most employers don't have the resources to, to bring a candidate in from out of state for an interview, and so I, I certainly don't want to discourage anyone from applying for jobs out of state, but the odds are, are uh, you know, are stacked against you getting an interview or, or a trip out on, on the employer's dime. Uh, so it, because they got fewer applications and they were the right applications, um, they had, employers had fewer uh, resumes to sort through, and it made their hiring process a lot easier, and, made, and it made sense to them to purchase listings with us.
0: That is, that is phenomenal. (laughs) And then, uh, and I can, because I've been in that position, a number of different with a number of different companies, I can completely appreciate that. It is, it is costly to bring somebody in from elsewhere. You're paying for plane tickets, you're paying for hotels, you're paying for, or you have to say, Hey, can you come and interview? I know you're 3000 miles away, but you're gonna have to foot your own bill, which doesn't go over well either. So I can absolutely appreciate getting the right, uh, right targeted candidates. That is, that is very, very cool. So what are some of the side projects that you've had that maybe didn't turn into entirely different companies? I'm curious now. Well, I, I have always worked on election
1: campaigns, um, you know, uh, through the nineties and the odds. So I was, um, uh, on the Oregon finance committee for four democratic presidential candidates, um, uh, uh, in the 04 and the 8 cycles I was the chair of the finance committee for the state party I was the I served on my neighborhood association board I've been on different nonprofit boards in in Oregon um, and uh, in Massachusetts where I lived in the 1980s uh, and have also been on citizen advisory committees for for the city of Portland and and what I loved about those opportunities was at they gave me a chance to 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 work on things that I cared about that maybe I that weren't part of my day job, uh, Whether it was politics or many of the uh, boards and committees uh, were about transportation and urban planning, which is something I geek out about. Um, and it was uh, so it not only allowed me to ad- address my interests but um, also be of service to the community and. Candidly, professionally, it's very valuable to, to uh, do that kind of service because it allows you to, to meet people in new fields or, or fields that you want to be involved in and, and uh, show what you can do. And those kinds of relationships can be invaluable uh, when you're either looking for your next job or, or you're thinking about your
0: career. So let's talk about that for a little bit, because what I just heard you describe is something that a lot of people could take a look at and initially think, well, why would I want to spend my time doing that? And what I heard you say is, hey, you know, a lot of these were fitting multiple areas. They were interests of yours. They uh in in some cases, you know, were in some cases were volunteer projects, but also things that uh that sort of rang your bell if you will, and then connected you to different people at the same time that you may not have otherwise had in terms of connections. But uh, it sounded like there were a lot of, lot of different things that were benefits rolled up into into one. So I'm curious if you could talk about that. Was that that truly the case in all those all those situations where there were some kinds of multiple benefits, or were there cases where, um, with some of those side projects, if you will, that uh, there were other reasons?
1: Well, I. I think with, when you volunteer, uh, you should volunteer about things you, you get excited about and are passionate about, and that, that really depends on you, where, where your interests lie. Uh, but it gives you a chance to, to, to do things that, again, maybe you don't have the opportunity to do in your day job. And, you know, life doesn't end when you go home at, at five o'clock. There are lots of chances to, to act on your interest and, and connect with others. And it's not only the, the interest and, and the service that matters, I think, it's, it's the relationships with people that you get through uh, volunteering, uh, whether it's a board or a committee or uh, an association or, or a campaign. And the relationships um, can endure for, for decades. I, there are many people I, I know professionally that I met on political campaigns or a nonprofit board 10, 15, 20 years ago. And uh if they were at the start of their career, it's remarkable how, uh, uh, how many of them have moved on to very senior positions. Yeah. And, and that's not why I volunteered. I volunteered because I, I cared about, uh, you know, improving traffic safety on the boulevard near my home. Uh, but I enjoyed the companionship of, and the connection with others who k- shared that interest. And, um, uh, or I, I cared about electing a candidate and people who are, get involved, um, are are usually very capable, have other interests, and they go, many of them go on to great things and that can be valuable to you.
2: I was complacent in my job. We're getting by, we're doing fine.
0: This is Maggie.
2: I ended up finding the right thing at the right place at the right time and it was you guys. And then it was like, you know, finding work you love. And I was like, oh, hey, that's me too. And then it was like tapping into a friend of mine who had expertise in the area. I always felt like I was a faucet that maybe the faucet hadn't been unstuck like it was rusted shut it happened to occur that the wd-40 of my career path right like you kind of unstuck my potential
0: so what kind of help did she find
2: helped me discover for myself what i was passionate about and then it helped me kind of shape the direction i wanted to head in there are like three things in my life that i have felt absolutely positive that this was no question the right thing to do and that was marrying my husband having my children and working with Happen to Your Career because I've been able to discover for myself like what is it that drives me, and now I'm doing it, and it's awesome.
0: She also learned what was most
2: important. The time that I spend away from my family matters, and that is important to me. Once I worked with Happen to Your Career, you know, I, I got this position. I started out just working on our onboarding, and now we're part of a vital part of our sales force. I've never felt more confident in something that I was doing than I do in this role.
0: If you want to figure out what's most important to you and get started in making that a part of your career, here's what you can do. Just text HAPPEN, H-A-P-P-E-N, to 44222, or you can visit figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. We'll see you there. So let's talk about, let's say that somebody is interested in, in volunteering. How should they think about that? One of the things I already heard you say is that look, don't volunteer unless it's something that you can get excited about. What else? What else should people know if they are interested in volunteering? And maybe even um, I hesitate to call it a tactic because I, I don't think you should volunteer purely as a as a tactic. Just my personal beliefs. I I think that goes against a lot of the things that volunteering even implies or insights or even some of the right reasons. But, you know, thinking about it strategically, how can they be more strategic about volunteering? And what else should they consider, especially as it relates to their career?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, because I think sometimes people, uh, particularly who are unemployed and are in the middle of a job search, they, they volunteer in the hopes that perhaps this nonprofit organization will offer them a job. And uh, it happens, but that's not why you should uh, volunteer. Uh, it, I think it's something again that it, it should be something you're interested in and excited about, and it should be because you want to be of service and because you enjoy the the company of people who share your your interests. So, for professionals, um, you know, uh, you. You, you always should think about getting involved in the association in your industry, and that might mean uh, attending events or lunches or other programs, but, uh, and, it, and, and it's good, and you should do that, but if you want to take it up to another level, you should think about getting involved in the organization as a volunteer, and, and you don't have to join the board or, or become a, an officer. Uh, it could be as simple as offering to, to staff the registration table at the annual conference, or maybe you take responsibility for organizing a panel discussion at the luncheon program or one of the breakout sessions at the, at the regional conference. Um, I'm a big believer in, in short-term projects, things that have a beginning, a middle, and an end, uh, because it allows you to show others quickly what you're capable of, and it gives you satisfaction, too, because you can see the results of your work right away. And uh, candidly, if it's not a good fit uh, to volunteer with that organization, it gives you an exit strategy too. It's right, it's built in. So, um, but the, the value to you professionally uh, when you're uh, uh, job hunting or you're thinking about your career or volunteering is this, it gives you a chance to show others what you can do. It gives you an opportunity to connect with the, the leaders and the influencers in your field. And, um, and you should always, as... When volunteering, give your time and energy with the expectation of receiving nothing in return. And if you start with that mindset, uh, you will be amazed at what you get back uh, in return when you you do so without expecting anything.
0: That's fantastic. I particularly like what you're talking about in terms of (laughs) hate. Ideally, short-term projects, things that have a beginning and a middle and an end are really, really good for for all the reasons that you just stated. But I really like that it uh, it gives you that sort of up-and-front tangible benefit, plus gives them the up-and-front tangible benefit. And you can give an understanding or exit strategy um, if it's not a good fit for you. Uh, versus you know being roped into a perpetual never never ending project and it and you find out that it's not a good fit, so absolutely love that here's here's my question for you though we we have and i and I get questions on a on a regular basis about volunteering and some of them are along the lines of how do I actually initiate that you know let's say that I'm interested in volunteering with an organization and I've got two or three different organizations that I might be considering that uh, you know I'm passionate about either what they produce or their cause or whatever else it might be. How do I initiate that conversation?
1: Well, I think if you're you, you shop around. So if there are three professional associations in your field, uh, go to their events. For for example, I happen to be in Portland, Oregon, and I run a public relations company. Um, there are four different professional associations in my field. There's the Portland Advertising Federation, the Public Relations Society of America, the International Association of Business Communicators, and the American Marketing Association. All four of those national groups have chapters here. And I'm, I've been to all of their events. Um, I've uh, and enjoyed them all. They're all good organizations. But the one that has the, the programs and the people that are closest to my field is happens to be Public Relations Society of America. But uh, it, it could have been some of the other chapters, depending on the leadership and the programs uh, that were being offered at that time. So to your listeners, I would say, you know look at the, the groups that are active in your field if you want to focus on uh, professional uh, volunteer opportunities, and uh, go to their events and, and see where you feel most comfortable and where the, the activities and, and the leaders are most relevant. And then- Volunteer for a short-term project, like, a, let's say, setting up a luncheon program. And you'll get a sense of the the organization and its culture very quickly, and, and you can decide whether you want to get involved in that uh, in a more serious way. Um, the reason volunteering can help you with your job hunt and your career, Scott, and we haven't talked about it, but I, yeah. I have to run a job board, and I'm very proud of it, um, and uh, But as you know, and I I think many of your listeners do, most jobs are never advertised. They're filled by word of mouth, and there are estimates out there that as many as 80% of all jobs never make it into a newspaper ad or a job board or any kind of public announcement. So our challenge when we're out there beating the bushes looking for our next opportunity or thinking about how we want to manage our career is this, what do we do after we've spent Uh, 15 or 20 or 30 minutes looking at the new postings on the job boards that we follow Um, most people don't know what to do next and and they don't know how to find those jobs in the hidden job market there are three ways to do it one is volunteering another is networking and the third is informational interviews and I I know we're talking today about volunteering but but when you volunteer um, and you connect with the leaders and the influencers in your field and they you build relationships with them, that's gonna help you find out about the jobs that are never advertised. Because people, employers hire people they know or people who are recommended to them by people they trust. And it can be the weakest of connections. It could be, you know, you had a pleasant conversation at, uh, at, a, at a lunch at, a, at an association or you had an informational interview and you made a good impression sharing your story and someone thinks of you when a colleague says, hey, I'm looking for somebody to fill this management job. Uh, know of any good people and they'll say oh I just Scott came by my office he seemed like he was on the ball but you should talk to him Um, and volunteering helps you get into that pool uh, of of people that are thought of for hidden jobs and so that your name uh, is on their mind and even if there's a formal application process uh, that's advertised through a job board they're going to pull your resume out of the pile because they'll say oh i, I remember scott um he and i were on this committee together he's sharp we, we we should bring him in uh with some others for for an interview
0: and and here's a here's an example of that too because i love what you're talking about um, for the wide world of human resources there's one one Well, there's a couple, but one main governing agency, or not governing agency, but uh, association, and that's the Society of Human Resource Professionals and um, and Human Resource Management. It's called SHRM. And uh, I used to live in Tri-Cities, Washington for a period of time, and there was a local SHRM chapter there. And... I did exactly what you're talking about, Mac, where I went and volunteered. And specifically, I started volunteering on a, on a short-term project. It was putting together this bowling party is actually what it was. It was putting together a bowling party uh, as a fundraiser for a local charity there that, uh, that the chapter was participating in. And by doing that, I ended up um, not necessarily getting to know or not necessarily putting myself in a position to get hired by the by the local chapter because they didn't hire anybody for pay, but I got to meet all different kinds of HR executives throughout all the surrounding cities because they all came and they were all involved in in this, and you know I was one of the main people that was organizing the event, so. It that ended up later leading to all of those types of conversations that you were just mentioning. And said, "Hey, you know, I just I just met this guy, Scott Barlow, and you know, he seems he seems like an okay guy. Why don't you talk to him?" And then I ended up getting multiple job offers through that, which were just little tiny touch points. So, I I would <laughs> I really truly believe that what uh, what you're talking about, uh, after seeing it firsthand and seeing it uh, second and third hand in a lot of cases too, that it it works but i think you have to go back to what you mentioned at the beginning in you shouldn't do that stuff just as purely a tactic you have to be excited about it in the first place so uh, here here's a different question for you though with with some of those hidden jobs that you're talking about um what what is a if, and I know, you know, we, we delved into volunteering and everything like that, but what does an informational interview look like from your perspective? Because we've touched on it a little bit, and I want to make sure that everybody understands what that is. Sure. A a good informational interview can, usually runs uh,
1: 20 to 30 minutes. You can have one of these conversations in, in 20 minutes, Scott, and, and the purpose, uh, you, you really have... Uh, three goals when you seek someone out for an informational interview and first you want to introduce yourself and share your goals and and share your story. Um, the second thing is you want to walk into the meeting with some specific ask, um, a request, and it could be that um, you're trying to uh, identify opportunities in your field and you want, under, you want to know which companies or nonprofits might be growing or might be adding staff or maybe there are some objections uh, that you have in your head that you think uh, people will have about your candidacy. You're, you know, you're about to change sectors. Uh, You want to move from uh, the nonprofit to the corporate world. And you, you, perhaps you've, you've, you uh, have sought this person out because they made that switch and you're looking for advice. Well, how did you do this? What, what barriers or challenges did you have to overcome? What made your candidacy compelling? And asking specific questions Um, will give you insights into both the market and how to promote your candidacy and getting a sort of the lay of the land of your field who might be hiring, who's gotten a new grant or um, launched a new business line and might have new revenue and might might need staffing helps you identify where the opportunities are. So that's the second thing you want to do in an informational interview. Come in with specific asks or, or requests. The third thing you want to do after you've told that your story and shared your goals and, and made those specific asks is um, ask for recommendations about other people you can connect with in your field. know, maybe you're trying to get into a particular company or, or uh, public agency and you looked at the LinkedIn profile of the person you're meeting and you see that she uh, is connected to the CEO or the agency director. Uh, you can... it's. Uh, appropriate to ask, could you introduce me to, to uh, you know, John Smith, or could I use your name when I reach out and ask for uh, an appointment? If you do those three things when you leave the meeting, that is a successful meeting. Obviously, you don't ask for a job. Uh, it's about intelligence gathering, introducing yourself, and growing your network. Those are the yardsticks of success. And if you do those things, uh, you'll be amazed at the results. Uh, you get bonus points if you do two other things in a meeting like this, Scott. One is if you close the meeting by asking how you can be of help to them. And that's a very powerful thing to do because it's it's reinforcing the fact that you have a lot to offer. And believe me, people who do informational interviews who take these meetings don't hear that very often, so you'll stand out. And the, the other thing that you can get bonus points for doing is if you uh, after you land wherever it is you're, you're going, and it might be a month later, three, six, nine months. Um, send that person a card, uh, and obviously you've already sent them a thank you note within a you know a day or two of the meeting. But send them a card and say, "Hey, thanks again for your help. I want to stay in touch. Here's my my new business card." Um, if you do that, uh, you'll you'll you're going to make these folks a permanent part of your network and. Again, obviously, you should also be doing informational interviews or seeing people yourself and giving back. It's not just a one-way street. Uh, But, uh, you know, in my experience, Scott, when I came out to Oregon, I I fell in love with the idea of moving here uh, in the fall of 1990. There there was one big problem. I'd never actually been here. I'm sitting in in Cambridge, Massachusetts. (laughs) So how did – but eight months later, I had a job at City Hall. Yeah. uh, as communications director for a mayoral candidate and a city councillor. Uh, it was a great job and it was exactly what I wanted. It, it, it matched my goals and I, I got that job from 2300 miles away and this was pre-internet so I did it by phone and, and uh, uh, snail mail but I, and I did make a couple trips out here. But I, I found that job by having dozens, more than actually more than 100 conversations just like I described. And I, I tell people that, and they say, what, 100 meetings in eight months? Are you crazy? I could never do that. And um, here's the deal. Most people during eight months might send out 100 applications if they're, you know, long-term unemployed or they're just looking hard. And if they're lucky, maybe they'll hear back from 2% of them. You know, they'll get, well, maybe maybe they'll get four or five interviews, and maybe they'll get a job offer, but they never hear back from the 95 uh uh, organizations that they applied to that didn't offer them an interview. I connected with more than 100 people. I still see those 100 people here in Portland years later. They're part of my community. And we first met when I asked them for help. And and uh, I, I, since then, I've, I've had the great opportunity to help many of them. And it's been definitely a two-way street, and I'm grateful to have that opportunity. But what is going to be more valuable to you? Because uh, the um, probably the amount of time setting up those meetings versus sending out those applications is about the same. So would you rather walk away with 100 face-to-face connections or uh, you know, 100 a, a, a emails that went off into the ether and you heard back from maybe five or 10?
0: Well, I don't think I can answer any other way but one on that back. You, you know what's interesting, though, is um, we went through and we, we figured out a rough uh, amount of, of time associated with all the different ways that you can go and get a job and hands down the approach that you're talking about, uh, when you look at results obtained for the least amount of effort, even though it sounds like a lot of time and everything like that to be able to make contact with a hundred people, it, it is so much more of a higher impact, even just for that job search. Let alone your point of, hey, that can that can be valuable for years to come. So I, I like the way I like the way you think, Mac. I like the way you roll. Well, thanks. <laughs> that that's fantastic. Now here's what's also interesting to me is the couple of things that you've just talked about. It seems like it could be absolutely workable together or they could build on each other. You go and volunteer, uh, you meet some of these people that gives you the initial, uh, you know, reason for contact, initial relationship. And then it's probably a lot easier to be able to ask for and get an informational type interview, uh, to be able to link a few of these things together.
1: It is. And, and we haven't talked about this, but clearly you have to have a strategy. You just don't call people up. And I'm not suggesting your listeners would willy nilly, uh, but you're 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 contacting people because you have a goal. You decided you wanted uh, a certain position in a certain kind of industry, and you're reaching out to these people because they uh, work in that field, or they they know people who do, or they have some particular insight. And once you have that, you're clear about your goal. Building lists of contacts of people you can reach out to is um, it takes work, uh, but I, I my experience has been. If you have a very clear, focused ask, you send an email saying, you know, I want to meet with you to talk about this. I don't need more than 20 to 15 to 30 minutes of your time. Uh, And you can uh, and it always helps if you can say so and so sent me uh, or just recommended I contact you. Uh, My experience has been uh, people say yes, they will make the time to see you. And and they take the meeting knowing that you're going to walk in and tell your story you're gonna ask for advice and you're gonna ask for contacts they're prepared for that and there's always and i'm always surprised when people don't do um do those things because that, that's i fully expect to be asked and I'm, I'm standing ready with my database but many people don't um and i think they don't because you know i i learned how to do this by trial and error uh, but you don't have to do that anymore there are lots of good books and resources out there and Obviously, we write a lot about the hidden job market. In fact, we have a course coming up November first. But there's lots of content on our blog and book, and I know you've got content about this too. So, bottom line is, job hunting is a skill, and and you can master it just like you can uh, get good at French or the violin
0: or or soccer. Mac, this is absolutely fantastic, and I I really appreciate you taking the time and making the time and and coming on the show and. I uh, actually making the time for us to chat because this is probably our what fifth or so, maybe fifth or sixth conversation or so. And as I've gotten to know you, I've just been really, really impressed with you, your company, your team. Uh, and so th- thank you. Thank you very much. Well, thanks, Gunn. And I I do have to give a shout out to the MaxList team. Uh, Ben
1: Forstag is our managing director and Jenna Forstrom is our community manager. And Annika Winters helps us with finances. And um, three of us are on a weekly podcast that I encourage your listeners to check out. It's called Find Your Dream Job. And we publish there, Jenna, Ben, and I, every Wednesday morning
0: absolutely go check it out i've listened to probably five or six or seven different episodes it's wonderful stuff i love how tactical you get you deliver very actionable content every single time i if you listen to it i guarantee you'll come away with some some things that you can do tomorrow so yeah hey thank you again is there any any well actually two two other questions for you before we before i let you leave here mac uh, question number one is, is there anything else that uh, that you'd like to share? I know you mentioned you have an upcoming upcoming course in November. Anything else that you're excited about that uh, you want to leave on parting, parting advice even? And then uh, last question is going to be, where can people find out more about you?
1: Uh, we
0: do have the course that you mentioned, uh,
1: Scott. It's called Hack the Hidden Job Market, and it, it launches on November 1st. If you go to our website, maxlist.org slash course, you can sign up to get uh, updates about the course uh, as well as some free content. We've got a three-part co- free course that's uh, uh, launching in September. Uh, and please visit our website. Uh, there's a blog there. Uh, the pod links to all of our podcast episodes. And next year, we're bringing out a, a national edition of our book, Called Land Your Dream Job. We have a Portland edition of it now, which is filled with local advice about looking for work in Portland, Oregon. Uh, And uh, we're we're revising that and uh, uh, bringing out a national edition
0: that will be helpful to people in all fifty states. Well, I'm excited to see the national edition. Thank you so very much. I absolutely appreciate it, and it's been it's been an honor to have you on the show. Well, thank you, Scott. Hey, if you enjoyed that episode, then I think you'll enjoy this even more. Mac and his team over at Maxlist they've put together this really pretty cool free course, and it's called how to How to Woo and Wow Employers online I think that uh, I think you'll absolutely love this. it's a short, free video course on how to use social media to find and get your your dream job, so we've made this super easy for you. All you have to do is head on over to happen to your career slash one hundred and forty nine. That's happen to your career slash one hundred forty-nine one four nine. And then you'll find right on there on that page in the in the blog post, head on over there right now. Hey, we've got so much more coming for you next week on Happen to Your Career. I want you to take a listen because next week we dive deep into strengths. Now, we've we've covered strengths. A lot on this on this podcast right Uh, and if you go back and you look at other episodes and listen to other episodes I guess you're probably not gonna look too much but hey look at them for a second and then take a listen you're gonna hear a whole bunch more but we have gone way overboard and we've established this massive resource and we've done a podcast on it as well so we'll tell you all about that and more for how to be able to use your strengths to actually get you hired because I think at the end of the day, we all want to get hired for, we all want to be able to do work that allows us to be actually authentically us and do the things that, uh, that we're great at and add value to the world, the way we add value to the world. So take a listen to what's coming up next week on Happen to Your Career. Yeah, I think you've, you've got to look at the patterns and things that you've written down and think about how they fit together. Then you've got to think about the jobs and opportunities you're entertaining as possible career choices. So what, what happens after that is you end up holding these opportunities up next to your findings, and then it starts to get very clear the ones that should match the type of lifestyle career that you want to have. And you know if one doesn't match the one that you, you want your life to be like, get rid of it no big deal. Congrats. You just saved yourself countless hours and headaches and frustration. This is the time to weed out those opportunities that don't match your criteria. Hey, I can't wait to see you next week. Here at Happened Your Career, we'll have another amazing episode for you. And I also, wanna, I want to ask for you to take uh, about 30 seconds and help us change the entire world. Because when we can get more people to listen to the show, we can help more people get to work that they absolutely love and authentically fits them. And then guess what? Well, once we get a lot of those people moving in the right direction, then companies start to change what, uh, what their expectations are of, of work too and start making it so much more human centered. Now, Easy way to do that, really easy way to do that is head on over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a rating and review. Seriously, because that helps other people find it. When you take the time to hit the subscribe button, when you take the time to l- write us a short rating and review, and you know we're looking for an honest review. Uh, but when you do that, you might also hear yourself here on Happen to Your Career. Now, I want to share one with you. This is a five star review from Stephanie, and she says you know, I f- thank you both for being the least listening ears that I needed and putting things in perspective. I'm glad I came across your podcast and was able to get out exactly what I needed. And I'll never be able to share fully how much Lisa and Scott have helped me. I know it may feel like there's not much done because I've just barely started. However, between coming across the audio course, a few mail, emails between Scott and lastly, a conversation with Lisa, feel like I have all the tools that I need. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have no doubt of the genuine work and what you're doing is great for every single person that you reach out to. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa, or thank you, uh, Stephanie. Really appreciate you taking the time to leave the review and thanks for helping get the word out to all kinds of other people. Really, really appreciate that. Hey, Can't wait to see you next week. We'll be back. And until then, go out there, happen to your career. All right, adios, I'm out.